And so, again, just to catch you up on the clock here, that Joseph basically, he begins to have these dreams and he realizes that a famine is coming, and so he makes a really wise call as the number two. He gets all the grain and he begins to make storehouses of grain so that when the famine comes, he's able to feed his people. And this is exactly what happens. And Joseph's brothers begin to starve over where they are, and Jacob, his father, begin to starve, and so they come to Egypt looking for what? Grain, because there's a famine in the land. Well, who do they run into? Dear old brother. And so um, we see this, this telling of this story. They go to Joseph for help. He ends up inviting them to live with him in Egypt and take care of their father who is dying. And, and Jacob dies, and the brothers are feel fearful of their life once again, and we're going to catch up, and here's where we're going to sit for the next few, few minutes as I give you three things on why we dream, and it's going to be right here as Joseph responds to his brothers who have left him for dead, who have hurt him so deeply. And you would think that after 22 years, this dream, that Joseph would have forgotten this dream, that all the distractions of life would have come upon him and all the waves of life he would have seen and he would have forgotten the dream. But he says this to his brothers as they come and they bow down to him and they're so fearful that now that dad is dead, he's gonna kill him. But he says in Genesis 50, 19 through 21, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And guys, I want you to know that the clock starts ticking on the 400 years promised to Abram over in Genesis 12. To me, I, I just love that. I love the Bible. I love that it does that. And it just is like, whoa, what you said is true, God. What you prophesied and said is true and it's happening. And here we are. And we're caught up to this place. And it is this beautiful picture of God being exactly who he says he is. But I want us to unpack very quickly so much here. I just could stay hours and hours. I know you're falling off the back row. I'm sorry. I'm, this is so good to me. It is just healing to my bones. And I want to give you an adequate setup for tomorrow that you would maybe come back, first of all, and be a great blessing to me. But also that we would leave changed and that we would settle for nothing less. And so here's Joseph. I gave you the background, I gave you the context. I hope that, was, that could have been enough for us to just leave on. Uh, but I'm from Texas and we talk a lot. So let's unpack this response from Joseph in three places on why we dream. First, he says, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? I want you to understand that Joseph has gone through quite a humbling experience. He is no longer the arrogant 17-year-old overzealous boy like, hey, listen to this. I am going to be in charge of you, and you're going to bow down, and you're an idiot, and I'm not. Look at my coat. That, that is not who he is anymore. 
He, is a, he has been humbled by life and by circumstances. And he has come to a place, guys, where I believe this is our first why, that, that why we dream is that God is a sovereign God. And let me just explain a little bit about what that word has come to know uh, for my heart. Um, God is a sovereign God. Let me give you a little Bible on it, Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Isaiah 43.13, also henceforth I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back. Daniel 4.35, he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So a little bit about my story um, is that, and I'm gonna unpack a little bit for you tomorrow when we have more time and kind of back up. I'm just gonna tell you just kind of a brief where I've been in the past three years. Uh, three years ago, I got the phone call that I had cancer. It was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, the doctors told me that I needed to get in chemo immediately. I was at stage three. It's an incurable form of cancer. And um, to say that it rocked my world is an understatement. To say that it nearly took me under is, the, is an understatement. Um, I've been out of chemo for about a year now and my cancer is stable. And thank you, thank you. Yes, please clap. Um, and so every six months I go, I fly to Chicago to a specialist and I await that dreaded scan that says whether, you know, it's going to be there everywhere and I'm going to light up like a Christmas tree or it's still just that one bulb. And I have a nine-year-old and I have a six-year-old. And of course I struggle. And of course I'm fearful. And of course I look at God and go, what have you done? Why have you done this? Why would a 31-year-old woman get cancer and not know whether she's going to live to see her babies grow up and get married? And I want you to understand something. I have come to a place by the grace of God alone of nothing that I have done where I would not trade my cancer for anything. I would not trade the place that God has met me and wrestled with me in the deep, deep, meaty places of who he is. I would trade it for nothing, and I would die for it. And he has come to show me a place of his sovereignty in it. And for me, sovereignty just means that he is in control. He is in control of all things. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly. He is in control. He's the author of our story. And I do believe from, for me, this is just a fundamental place and I'm not asking you to land there with me. I'm just saying for me, this is a basic place of why I get up of why I get up in the first place, or why I dream, or why I take another breath, or why I continue to stay married to my husband, or why I continue to love my children. It's just the fundamental, basic, just strip it away, bare, raw, vulnerable place, and tender to my heart that he is the author of it all. That he is sovereign. And I believe that's where Joseph was here. Am I in the place of God? Who am I?
that I would turn you away, brothers. Who am I? Just, just a humbling. And, and y'all, I just want to encourage you that it's such a beautiful place. It's such a beautiful place to sit where you know that he holds your breath. It is such a beautiful, freeing place to know that there is nothing that you have done or nothing that you can do to cancel that out. I just have, you have to understand that when I was sick in my bed for a year and I was so sick I could not get out of the bed and so weak and so weary I could not walk to take a shower and every day I was questioning and doubting whether I would live another day or take another breath. And for me, in that moment, you have to understand that there was thinking about a God who was too weak, too weak to somehow take away my illness, that he was a, a God somehow that, that is too small or, or unable to divert my illness. There was no consolation there for me. There was no comfort there. To think about a God who I get cancer and he goes, whoa, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Man, what are we supposed to do? Casey got cancer. We need, guys, let's get together and let's talk about it. Let's meet about it because that's what we do in the church when there's a problem. Let's call some angels and meet. That was no comfort. That was no consolation to my soul. I wanted a God who was the author of it. I wanted a God who was a part of every piece for my good, for his glory. I wanted a God who could see the eternal pattern, that could see the Old Testament and the New Testament and Jesus woven into all of it, that he planned Jesus and the redemption of the world before he created it. He is not a God that reacts to us. He is a God that breathes life and authors us. So good. So good. Secondly, Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, I want to bring in here a place on relationship. This is really important to me. Because Joseph is taking a recognition here to, hey, you guys meant something really hurtful to me. You guys tried to kill me. But God had other plans. We've got to understand an, a, a relational component here because as much as I have tried, rest assured, I have tried to exist as a lone island inside my house, pushing away everyone. I've tried to exist that way, but guys, we were not hardwired to do it alone. We were not, we were hardwired to do it in fellowship and community, to enter into stories together, the dirty, the messy things to come together and to see those places in one another's hearts because grace goes further. And that is who we were meant to be. And so we need to look at this place where Joseph brings in humanity and the plans of the humans versus the plans of the Almighty, the plans of the created versus the plans of the Creator. You have to look at this. You have to wrestle with this. This is another reason why we dream because God is fully love and people are not. Here's what I mean by that. God is all. He is full, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. He does not need me and you to be any more God. Do you understand? He is like a train moving down the tracks, and that train is moving down the tracks whether you're going to jump on or jump off. 
His will will be done. It is not a matter if God's will is done. No. That is not an almighty, holy creator God. His will will be done. And his glory will be made known. And all things in our life are simply an eternal pattern that we may or may not be privy to that make up his glory. Because that is, he is ultimately satisfied in himself. Do you understand? Is that not liberating to you? It's liberating to think that he does not need me. It sets me free to truly live when I realize that he is completely all-consuming, satisfied within himself as a holy, awesome, just God. And I have to understand that God is fully love and people cannot love outside of that. That is why there are broken marriages and broken homes and broken people. Because God, if God is not the sustainer of that love and he's not literally, I want you to just picture somebody breathing and resuscitating life into someone who is drowning. That is the way God's love, his spirit has to be for us. And if the spirit is not igniting our love, then we are not existing in true love. We are existing in emotion and feeling and what we think something is love. Love is, love is a place of truth. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It is who God is. Fully. He is fully love. And, and let me just tell you a great quote, one of my favorite authors and teachers, Timothy Keller. He says in one of his best books, the only love that won't disappoint you is the one that can't change, that can't be lost, that is not based on the ups and downs of life or how well you live. It is something that not even death can take away from you. And God's love is the only thing like that. Guys, this is what sets me free to be a good wife to my Justin. I honor him and I love him and I serve him from that place of God loving me and being fully loved and letting Justin go of whatever expectation I am placing on him to feed that to me. See, here's where I've come to believe. And I think if we would just step back, we would all see this, that God set people up to disappoint us. God set people up to disappoint you. Why? So that he is all. Because we are so sinful in our choices, in our nature. If you give us just an inch, we will go straight to a person and we will make them our everything. We will make an addiction or a drug or a high. And a person or a pleasure, we will begin to let that be our all. And at some point along the way, you and I both know that we will disappoint and they will disappoint. And I believe that that is to point us to Jesus. I believe that people are set up this way so that Jesus says, they are not able to love you like I love you. They were not created to do so. Wife, your husband cannot love you that way. Husband, your wife cannot love you that way. Your kids cannot love you. Your pastor cannot love you that way. Your best friend cannot love you that way. And so why are we so taken aback when they disappoint us or, 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 or they fall short of that place? Because it makes me just, I mean, it just completely revolutionizes my thinking and how I deal with people. To release people from the grasp of my expectations is awesome. 
I assure you, it is the only way this wretch can stand up in front of you and speak. It is the only way your pastor can get up here every single Sunday and teach God's word. Because at some point, guys, we have to come to terms with who we are and we have to release ourselves from your opinion and your attitude of us. And we have to know that we will disappoint and we're messy and we're sinners and so are you. And in that, God's grace is better. In that, God's grace is sweeter and his love more full and I want it more. When you disappoint me and I disappoint you, I want God more. Final, final point we're gonna sit with on why we dream. And Joseph says, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And my final point is that God delights in mercy. Jeremiah 9.24, I'm the Lord who performs mercy and justice and righteousness in the earth because in these things I delight, says the Lord. We're waiting for this maybe grand reason that God has for delighting in mercy and loving us and giving us grace when we're so undeserving and when we would just get up and run off the edge of a sin cliff every single day if it were up to us. But he just says the most beautiful thing because I want to. Because I'm God and you're not. Because I created you and you are a created being. And I set you up to be loved. I set this system up and this world up for everything else to let you down but me. And I delight in mercy. I delight in grace. And it is why you live, and it is why you breathe, and it keeps us alive. God didn't have to use these sinners, Abraham and Joseph and the brothers and everything. He didn't have to use all of those sinful people. But he delights in mercy, and his plan is greater. And he sees the big picture, and what Joseph couldn't see in that moment he sees his dream coming to fulfillment of his brothers bowing down before him, but what he doesn't see is me and you. And God saw me and you. He saw the eternal landscape from eternity to eternity, and everything that happens in our life is for that purpose and to that end. And there's nothing that we can do to distract his plan. And that is good. And that is why I dream is that he gave his son for me when I was least deserving. And that gives me life. And when we look into Jesus, we look away from ourselves. And that is mercy, and that is good, and that, is why, that should be the heartbeat of everything that we do. But it is not because we have to. We don't show up at church because we have to. We show up to church because we get to. I want to leave you and I want to, I want to beg you to ask why. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to lay on your pillow and I want the lights to go out and your husband or wife for that matter to snore, not counting out the ladies in that. And I want you to think about what is your thing when you are laying there and why 
I'm not asking you to go to the what or the how right now. I'm just saying, why for you? Do you believe that God is fully in control of your life and that nothing that you can do or have done can thwart his purpose in any way? That he delights in giving you mercy just because you were made to be set up for that and he wants to? Do you believe that place? Is that why you breathe and exist? Not because you have to, because it looks good and it's what people expect of you, but because you get to enter in to what he is doing. You get to jump on the train that is going down the track with it. You get to. You get to be a part of what God is doing, and that is all that matters. And you get to be released from what somebody thinks of you. I mean, I cannot tell you how in bondage I have been standing up in front of Christians. You know how scary Christians can be? (laughs) Several years ago, there's no way I could have done this right here. But in God's grace and mercy brought me to a place of saying, "I I would love for you to like me, but I don't need you to. And I want you to be there. And I want you to truly wrestle and struggle with the why you dream 